I was went from like rolling silverware um, to being on Forbes 30 under 30 in under eight months. So it was crazy, but I also think it's really exciting. Hopefully there's more stories like mine out there, people who don't have traditional resumes and can still get in these rooms and be a part of these types of conversations. Yeah, that also aren't in the major cities that also don't come from money. If you're good at what you do and you put it out there, no one can take that away from you. And now it's public for the whole world. Kind of started to pop off because I was creating a digital resume rather than a traditional resume that wasn't getting me hired anywhere. Might not have the traditional resources, but having a phone at your house and like being able to get your videos in front of these eyes because of the FYP on TikTok, you never know who's gonna see those videos and that can like legitimately change your life, so. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also like from a consulting standpoint, when people hire me for consulting as a creative, it's like, how does that, how do you track that in an ROI format, especially in like some of the, non-traditional brand deals that I do. So figuring that out has been a process for sure. Yes. All right, ready? Mm -hmm. Let's get it. Hola. How was the wine, by the way? Oh my goodness, it was delicious. Was it? Ryan connected, oh, we have to tell him the story. It was like a drug deal. Ryan connected me to First of all, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> It was whoa. a drug deal. Speaking of terrible branding, let's do <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> it's like no, a wait, drug deal. No, wait, wait, wait. Dude, Ryan, Ryan totally <laughs> hooked me up with drugs. No, we have to tell you this story. So... I have a very important client, one of my favorite clients I've ever worked with, and he just bought an apartment. So I wanted to get him the best wine possible. He's a wine guy, you said. He's a wine guy, yeah. He loves wine. He has so much. He has like sellers everywhere. Yeah. We, We got him a wine locker in the city when he purchased the apartment. So I wanted to make sure I got him a really high quality wine. And high quality wines are very expensive and hard to find. So I could not find out, obviously, the liquor store in the Lower East Side or East Village or Soho. So I decided to hit up Ryan. And I said, Ryan, I have a very important client. Can you connect me with this guy? He, he's like, I can help you. Super. He sounds like one text. I can help. And then afterwards, he's like, you have to come to the office between <laughs> 5 and 6 p.m. Yeah. with an envelope of cash. <laughs> he doesn't tell me who I'm meeting. So I'm sitting right there at the assistant desk. And um, the guy appears. So I get to the office and the guy's here. He is incredible. Super nice guy. But it was kind of sketchy because I had to come with an envelope of cash. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Greece, so I'm seven hours ahead. He's like, I need a hookup for a uh, for like very very expensive like fancy wine, and I just I think I just wrote, I've got you. Yeah, like, hold on one second. Yeah, and so and he didn't. It was he had to do it that day. Like he didn't give me any time. It was it was last Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't give me any time. It wasn't like, hey, I got a closing coming up or anything. I'm like, when did this close? So I could close already. I'm like, so when do you need to deliver this gift? He's like, tonight by seven. I'm like, so you want. <laughs> a wine that's impossible to get by tonight at seven in New York City in Soho. And he's like, yeah, that's why I'm at this company. I'm like, fucking the pressure. Yeah, that'd be amazing race. I'm a Corona girl though. So if I ever close, I'll uh, get you, you guys. What a cheap ass, bro. Yeah. I'll get you a, at least Dude, we're, no, we're gonna get yeah. you like a 1972 can of Corona. Perfect. Right? Wow. Now, wow. it was like the, so what did we get? It was like a bottle of Petrus. Yes, uh, 1988. And yeah. a very, very beautiful bottle. Yeah. Very I feel like you thrive under like situations like that. I think you love I wish shit I like didn't, that. Actually. Yeah. I look at other people who are like, just live in, you know, they wake up and watch TV, you know, or like they do their things in their life. And I'm like, I, 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 I would like that. These that are like nice. your Tom Cruise, like mission impossible moments. Like, I think you live for stuff like this. And then like, it's so reassuring when you get that, like, got you message. Cause you know, he's going to come through. Yo, have you always been it. like that? Like even when you were younger? I think no. I really? think I'm, um, uh, this podcast is about you, oh, but I think, <laughs> I think I'm a product of my environment. Yeah. That's for sure. But also like in the deal world, yeah. like you move fast, time is money. Like we don't, 
don't think anyone at this table uh, gets paid a salary, right? No. So like none of us are salary. Oh, well, well, well never no, mind. Forget well. it, that guy. Um, but there's Awkward. no, yeah, there's no Awkward. salaries between the three of us. Mm, that's cool. Right? We're commission based, we're project based. Mm-hmm. And so we know. Can't relate. So I operate that even like when my wife calls me to like talk about, you know, schools for our daughter or something, I'm like, are we talking right now? We're going to talk at 12. Are we executing by six o'clock? Because I got to move. Like we yeah, got to make things right. happen. There's no, otherwise things just don't get done. But anyway, <laughs> welcome back to another episode of Business of Influence. Um, today's guest should be on every brand's speed dial list. That's what we've said this entire time. We bring up her TikToks all the time. I share them with our marketing team all the time. I think people should also have speed dial list. Do you have a speed dial list? Oh, you have the favorites. Yeah. She should be on their favorites. Yes. If a if a brand or a major company just had one iPhone and a list of favorites, she should be on it. She's the PR branding queen of TikTok. Over 600,000 followers on that platform. She secured a spot in Forbes 30 under 30 in marketing and advertising in Ow. 2023. So congratulations. That's so huge. That's crazy. Uh, she's worked with everyone from Tana Mongeo. Mongeo? Oh, Tana Mongeo. Mojo. Mojo. <laughs> Boomer. Tana Mojo uh, to Burger King. That's a, that's a range right there. Um, and so today we want to talk to her about her story, any upcoming PR predictions, maybe uh-huh. some help for yeah. us. That's yes. why we're here. Robin, AKA Girl Boss Town. Welcome yes. to Business of Influence. Thank Woo! you. <laughs> so also I feel like I always talk about like marketing and branding yeah. um, and Girl Boss Town originally was like Girl Boston because I live in Boston, but like that's the one branding that like never stuck or people understood. So it's kind of like a contradiction that like I'm the branding queen. And oh, nobody Boss under- Town is yes. wow. But it's not like that now. So, um, but it's such an honor to be here. These are the types of conversations that I love the types of conversations that I try to be a sponge in as well, because I feel like even just having access to these types of conversations is something I did not have even like a year and a half ago when I was sending my resume to like every brand in Boston for entry level marketing positions at like 27 years old. So yeah. this is very surreal for me and I'm really excited to be here. No, thanks for coming. Are you, are you, are you based in New York now or in Boston? Boston, but like I- Where? Seaport. Okay, cool. My little brother lived in Seaport for a while. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm from like, New Hampshire, so- Where? I'm, where New Hampshire? Nashua. Okay, cool. Like the show, The Office. There's like. What's your social security? What's your sign? I grew up in Topsfield in the North Shore. Oh, really? And so my two brothers still live in in Boston, yeah. and my parents right now are in Dublin, New Hampshire. So New Hampshire was like the vacation spot for us, right? The yeah. little lake house. We were in um, uh, uh, Newfound Lake, which, which is, is gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. Freezing cold, but yeah. all my friends. Like all the cool kids would go to Winnipesaukee because like with motorboats and cool yeah. stuff. And my dad hated neighbors. And so we would be in Newfound. And Jimmy Fallon, I believe. Yeah, his New daughter, Hampshire guy. Yeah, yeah. He, they have a Winnipesaukee house and his daughter's named Winnie after like Winnipesaukee, fun fact. But um, yeah, there so I live in Boston currently, but I'm like never, I'm always on the go. I'm either in like New York, Boston or LA, so. I can't wrap my head around the Boston thing. Now, like yeah. I, I was thinking like the town part was like a little, I was like, is that like a, but also, like, a, like calling yourself a girl boss is like very cliche, like in this like yeah. era. So like it's kind of awkward. Like when I go to introduce myself, and they're like, "This is girl boss town," and I'm like, "I am, but I'm not. I have to work on that. Maybe I should focus <laughs> on my own brand." Put an accent over uh, the boss, so it's yes. girl boss town. Yes, yes. So how did you? I mean, I know how you got here because we reached mm-hmm. out to you, but like, <laughs> yeah. take me take me back through like the last two years. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I. Went to college for marketing and communications. I moved to LA. Did I you go to school it, in Boston? 
New, New Hampshire. I went to the University of New Hampshire. Then cool. I did a little bit of a post-grad program at UCLA. I thought it was going to be like Lauren Conrad on the Hills. I moved to LA like the day after I graduated college, but without a Viacom camera crew um, and a budget, my life was definitely not like the Hills. And I was like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. I had a million jobs, waitressing, working at agencies. But when I was working at the agencies, like I was in the mail room. It was just not what I pictured in my head, which is actually a good thing because yeah. I like learned so much. Um, but then I had to come back to Boston for family reasons. And I was working like email marketing positions, corporate marketing positions at like health insurance companies. And I was like, this is not scratching that creative itch that I have. So I always use social media as an outlet. And then after COVID, I don't know if anybody else went through this. I had a little bit of a midlife crisis. At this guy 20, for sure. Yeah, Same. yeah. At like 25, 26. And so I quit um, after like, a year and a half ago, I quit my corporate marketing job and I was going to go back to school and study esthetician, go to esthetician school because uh, I love beauty. And after I quit my job, I started waitressing and working at anthropology and I had more time to post on social and I started utilizing TikTok. Yeah. This was around a year and a half ago. It took me- In Boston. In Boston, yep. living on my friend's couch in, couch in Medford. I actually like didn't even have an apartment Medford, at the time. get it. Yes. Um, wow. <laughs> and it kind of started to pop off because I was creating a digital resume rather than a traditional resume that wasn't getting me hired anywhere. And by showing these brands and celebrities that people are already invested in our relationships before it even happened, um, it was such a new wave of currency to go to with brands. And then I started gaining followers and then I got a team. And after like a year and a half, I was went from like rolling silverware um, to being on Forbes 30 under 30 in under eight months. So it was crazy. But I also think it's really exciting because if this is the way that this world is going, then hopefully there's more stories like mine out there of people who don't have traditional resumes and can still get in these rooms and be a part of these types of conversations. Yeah, that also aren't in the major cities that also don't come from money. And so, yeah, and also like, I definitely did like, did not have like the, best upbringing. And I would go to like my guidance counselor and be like, Oh, I want to be on E! News. I want to do these sure. things. And they'd be like, have a more realistic approach. And like E! News was the first job I booked. So nice. I think that like being able to, you might not have the traditional resources, but having a phone at your house and like being able to get your, uh, your videos in front of these eyes because of the FYP on TikTok, you never know who's going to see those videos and that can like legitimately change your life. So we've, we've all been in similar scenarios yeah. one yeah. with, you know, Adrian, you know, with, with his entire business and everything that he currently does and turning trash into furniture. And <laughs> this guy, that's how I initially met this yeah. guy. I was like, wait, there's another real estate agent in New York city running around with a massive following and he does deals through TikTok. Mm-hmm. How old is he? And then I reached out to him. I'm like, you, I don't know where you work, but you work the wrong place. Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. And so he came over here and then everything we do. I feel like social in a way is, you know, some of it, no, but some of it, yes, is like a true meritocracy that way, mm. right? Where it's like, if you are good at what you do and you put it out there, no one can take that away from you. Yeah. And now it's public for the whole world. Yeah. I also feel like growing up, a lot of the times, like I was told that my interests were very vapid and I was kind of, you know. Good thing you were born when you were born though. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to the vapid era. <laughs> yeah. So like now that this is translated into a career, I feel like really lucky to be a part of this time and space because um, being able to be creative for a living definitely has its ups and downs, but like I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. What was the, uh, the dr- when you were in LA, what was like the dream job? Or, or, were you trying to be in front of the camera? Like were you, was there like a dream company that you were like? Yeah, I would say I wanted to work for like 
an E! News. Like I wanted to be in front of the camera and I wanted to do more of that type of life. But then I realized that like where I'm fulfilled is more so behind the camera. Um, so what I do now is perfect because I still get that itch of being in front of camera. Mm. But then I also get to like inspire a new generation that like it's just as cool to be behind the camera and to be a part of that creative process um, that it is to be in front of the camera as well. So hold on, was social ever part of the plan or was that kind of like yeah, accidental? I mean, I mean I used to post an Instagram every night in college to like get the guy I was talking to his attention. I didn't think it was like a career path, but then like the more that I was on social media and was able to be creative and do the things that my job wasn't allowing me to do, I was like, okay, this is something that I'm good at. I like my tone and I feel like other people can relate to it as well. So it wasn't part of the plan, but it was simultaneously. Got it. So why would a brand come to you now? Like, so if I'm yeah. a, I'm a big company, mm -hmm. whether it's Tana or Burger King or yeah. who else, they, they come to you and what are they trying to do? Well, I do have to say like the Tana and the Burger Kings, like those are, those are brands that like, I just made videos about by myself first. So it's sure. not like it was like a relationship, but then there's brands like Bliss, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, L'Oreal Paris, who saw my type of videos and were like, we can utilize this on both like for you and for us in an organic way. I know organic is a buzzword. Um, so there's multiple different ways that like brands can come to me. But why I think brands should come to me now is I feel like it's really important to have native creatives in the room when you're coming up with these campaigns. Um, because a lot of the times you're looking around in a boardroom and saying like, oh, like, what do we think the people want? Like, what do we think will go over well? And you're not like actually talking to the people. Um, sometimes I'll get into a room with a brand and they spend X amount of money on TikTok a year, but some of them don't even have TikTok on their phone. So it's like to have the creator be a part of the creative process, I think is so beneficial. And there's little things that are actually really big things when it comes to business, like even just like understanding an audience and know how that translates to gain trust, to get them to take action off the app. Those are things that I do in my job every day that can be utilized in a business format. And a lot of creators can do that as well um, that I feel like they're not doing currently, which makes more room for me, which is great. Um, but I think that also when I speak about PR moves, Super Bowl commercials, ad campaigns, collabs that I think brands and celebrities should do, and I'm speaking to my audience, they're already getting invested and excited about that sure. idea. So it's like, why not tap into that? But brands aren't coming to you just for you to do social about them mm -hmm. are they are they coming to you and saying hey we have this initiative coming up we got a yep. new drink coming out what are your and they're hiring you as a consultant for marketing yeah i would say 70 percent is probably behind the camera and 30 percent is on camera okay clear gotcha yeah. i remember listening somewhere that your creative process comes from your like vast knowledge of like reality tv yes. and kind of just being tapped in yes is that still part of like the creative process today I think that growing up, the TV was my babysitter, unfortunately. Sure. Um, I think that I just was like so – I was reading Us Weekly instead of Hooked on Phonics. Like I just was always in this world. Um, so that is a huge inspiration behind – what I do now and like growing up watching TV so much, like I actually paid attention to the commercials when people were like fast forwarding it. Yeah, like that's yeah. just like how my brain worked. So I definitely tap into that a lot, but there's so many ways in which I gain inspiration. Um, even just like going to having conversations like this or um, just, I find inspiration everywhere and especially with social media, but sometimes that can get a little too much. Cause like when I'm scrolling, it's almost like, wow, this is a lot. Like my brain is going in so many different do directions. Do you do any 
like crisis PR Ooh. management. Because I feel like like Lizzo, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. right, is in the news. There's a lot going on right now. Like in in literally in five minutes, mm-hmm. and no one knows. Like no one. It's all everything's mm-hmm. always unsubstantiated. It's he said, yeah. she said. You never know. Robin, how do we fix Lizzo? Is yeah, what he's how, trying do you, to ask. how do you? How does how does Girl Boss Town fix like a Lizzo situation if she or her team were to come to you? Okay, well I not to put you on the spot. But. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to speak on the Lizzo situation. <laughs> However, when it comes to crisis PR, I feel like I rarely speak about that on my platform because I want to be as educated as possible when it comes to speaking about certain things. Sure. And a lot of those things are he said, she said. So I can give my opinion, but when it comes to actual strategy on like how to approach a situation, I like to be as educated as possible. And like, I am not Lizzo. Um, so I feel like it's hard to like come up with like a strategy with that. So then maybe not her, but like, let's say there's a brand that is rocketing and everything's yep. great and something bad happens. And then the news is just purely negative yes. for a moment. Like, what do you, what do you do? I, I feel like people are in that situation yes. all the time recently. And yeah. it's like, everyone's being canceled left and right. Mm-hmm. And you have to either just hide and ignore it and hopefully it goes away mm-hmm. or you're countering it with something really I don't know, interesting yeah. or out there. I like to counter it. Like for example, when Chanel did that advent calendar and everybody bought it and it was really expensive and they were literally giving like tissue paper, like yeah, as some of the prizes. Yeah. Um, I came up with like a PR crisis plan and what, how Chanel should fix that. And that was like, Having a scavenger hunt throughout New York City um, with new PR boxes that like took the old ones and like made them come to life throughout activations and uh, kind of apologize and almost I feel like you have to poke fun at yourself. Be like, we get it. We understand. We hear you and we're going to fix it. I feel like brands on social media, when they tap into actually even utilizing their social media accounts to be like like Ryanair, for example, like everybody makes fun of Ryanair because it's like the cheap airway airline in Europe. Like they tap into that on their TikToks and their TikTok has like 10 million followers. So it's like recognizing the problem. You own it. Yeah, owning it. But some things... It's really hard to own. One of my favorite yeah. examples of that was like the the Kylie Jenner when like people were making fun of her for like the Good Morning Sunshine. Or what was it? Rise and shine. How? How, Andy? <laughs> Rise and shine. Wow. That was, wow. That was interesting. Wow. Uh, but she made merch <laughs> yeah. about that whole thing and like made a lot of money out of it. I just love the idea of like poking at fun at yourself. Yeah. Right? Well, I also feel like the internet and social, well, I feel like the social, like social media is like our communities like inside joke and you can tell when a brand isn't in on the inside joke and you can tell like when they're trying too hard it's like that kid on the playground that like tried to be a part of your inside jokes but like didn't get it and it's like just made everything awkward yeah that's how i feel like some brands are on social media when they're like trying to understand it or like trying to be in on like the trends or poke fun at themselves but like they don't have people in the office who like fully understand internet culture and it's like, it's so bad. And that's like one of my biggest pet peeves. But if you have people in the office who are, have their finger on the pulse of like, not only just what's relevant, but like internet culture, and you can tap into that when these types of things happen, I think is so beneficial. So for someone who's older yeah. and doesn't, didn't grow up like we all did mm-hmm. like with uh, the internet, how can they tap into the internet culture and actually learn? What do you recommend they do? I feel like asking, like, I mean, this is a super simple question, but I feel like sitting down and having a conversation and asking these types of questions is the start. And also I feel like 
age and social media, even though we definitely, I'm 29, I grew up, like when I was in sixth grade, you couldn't use the phone and the internet at the same time. And by the time I was a senior in high school, there was internet on our phones. Like we went very rapidly with it. But I wouldn't necessarily think that like age and social media have to go hand in hand. I feel like I have friends, dads who like are all over barstool or like uh, are online betting. And like, I feel like there's a way in which like they can tap into their interests by asking questions and getting to know it and giving it a chance. But I feel like some people don't want to give it a chance initially. And I understand that too, mm-hmm. because it can be intimidating. Like if I tried Absolutely. to figure out like trigonometry, I'd be like, I can't just ask a question and figure out trigonometry. But the more I got to know about it or utilize how it could help me and benefit me in my life, I'd be more interested in it. And how do you think people can start building that personal brand on the internet? Well, this is a question like when people ask me, like, how do you find your niche on the internet or like your personal brand? I was like, I feel like that's kind of contradicting because if you try to like find your personal brand, then it's not your personal brand. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that like it doesn't take time to come like to fully recognize what you want to put out there. But you can't like find I don't believe that you can find your niche because I feel like your niche happens out of something that you have interest in. And that is niche and same with your personal brand. Like it happens because of who you are. So I feel like you really have to know yourself um, and be willing to like take risks and have fun to like start a personal brand. But it's difficult with all of the different conversations that come around being yourself on the internet. So what what is my brand? Oh God. Your brand is- I'm just curious because I spend so much time in my own head. Yeah. Right? And so mm-hmm. I'm just, it's interesting to have so you here. I- I feel like I'm going to like bust into flames if I say this here. Bust into flames. I um, am 29 years old and like I'm still renting an apartment. I am now financially stable. And when it comes to real estate, I have legitimately no idea anything. Like literally I'm probably third grade level of like real estate in this whole world. And I know who you are. And like, I know what you do and I know your story, not only because I've heard you speak before, but because you're coming up on my page. Nice. And it's because you're not only tapping into the audience of people who are interested in what you do, but even the people who are trying to understand it. So it's like you are feeding both audiences, people who this is their passion and people who are trying to even figure out what this is. So being able to like reach both of those audiences I think is brilliant. And I so think So do you think really my brand is like real estate guy with gray no. hair? Well, yes and no, but I feel like within itself, like I feel like you're an innovative thinker oh. who knows how- You can be honest, you can be mean too. No, no, no. Um, this isn't crisis PR. Uh, but no, <laughs> but I think the way in which you approach your career is what makes you interesting uh-huh. as well. So I think it's very innovative, it's fresh, it's new. And I feel like a lot of people- especially in this industry, like aren't willing to do that. I actually like, I, for a very little amount of time did like social media for like a real estate agency, but just like doing postings and like, I still don't understand it. And they were so traditional and like not thinking out of the box and the way in which you did it. And your storytelling is what captivates audiences. Sure, And that's what I think is, will never get old. If you were to be a real estate agent, Oh my God. How would you brand yourself today? I would say this apartment gets a GBT of approval. No, I um <laughs> Let's wow. go. You need a phrase. Yeah. You're saying. I would go <laughs> about it. Cleric to this. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I think I would show my journey of like 
going from knowing nothing to becoming an expert at it and to be able to utilize and tap into that for people who are fearful to even ask questions or to get started in this industry or even to buy property and telling them that like I used to be like that as well. And like, this is what I learned and how I learned it. And like tapping into like the journey rather than like I'm the best um, would probably be my approach. I think that goes back to what we were talking about with brands recognizing who they are and yeah. being themselves on the internet. I think a lot of times people struggle with they try to be the polished version of themselves, mm. which was Instagram in the early 2000s. Yeah. And I feel like now with social media. Early 2000s, dude. Instagram didn't come out until like well, 2013, 2012. sorry. Yeah. I mean, 2000, 2010. Early, early 2000s. 2000. He's very young. <laughs> He's young. I think that like our generation or now, like we're so like our bullshit radar is like so like on point exactly. that we could sniff anything. And it's from like all like the moment an ad comes up on our stories, we're just like, next. Like, yeah. we're so trained. And yeah. like, we're picking that up with like people and yeah. brands. If like, we if we sense like bullshit, we're like, next. We're, you know what I mean? We're so yeah. quick to move on. Which is something that like, I always speak on. I feel like the 2016, 2018 influencer marketing era ruined everybody's attention span and trust because at first we didn't realize these people were getting paid to say these things. Yeah. And everybody was like, you trust these people. You spend more time with some of these influencers on YouTube than you do with your friends in real life. Mm -hmm. And then we started to be like, wait, why is this person saying the exact same thing as this person and this yeah. person? And we started connecting the dots. And now we're like, okay, when we know what to add, like we're not going to listen. So even in my position now as a consultant and being in this industry, for me to say like, I always say like, ads don't work, but feelings do yeah. like, and trust does and nostalgia does like, so if it's positioned as an ad, people are going to know to swipe right away. So you need to go about formulating ads that don't feel like ads, but also still gain trust, but also get people to leave the app and buy the product, which is like quite the formula, but I feel like it can definitely be done. Yeah. Big thing for us in selling property and one of our pitches to our clients always is, listen, you could hire anybody else and they're going to run ads and they're going to do the thing, which is pushing the message about your property onto the world. And no one wants to have messages pushed on them. Mm -hmm. So we, we pull the message into right into mm -hmm. people. So as they're coming through, it's you're either doing it with storytelling or something that's slightly entertaining where, you know, we've had so many examples now. So the proof is there where, you know, people have reached out to us and said, I wasn't even looking to buy that apartment. Or I wasn't even looking mm -hmm. to buy anything, but I just watched that. And that was so interesting. And I didn't realize this and that now I'm educated. Can I come see that? Yeah. And then a deal gets done that ordinarily wouldn't yeah. have gotten done that way. And also like tap, like yours, like in my brain, when it comes to real estate, like you're selling ho like homes or a home, yeah. but a home is so much more than a home. Yeah. Like that is like that emotion within itself and being able to tap into that is like so powerful. And like, I love nostalgic and like ads that make me cry. Like also, I think that like I always say, you're more willing to buy a product that your best friend recommends to you over FaceTime than you are that guy at the kiosk at the mall who's like yeah. chasing you down. And like, they, they, like that's the difference between like ads that don't hit and the ones well, that do. That's like what Ryan says. Ryan says people don't, like to be sold, they like to go shopping with friends. Like that's like, yeah. that, like that's yeah, that's what we tell story. every new agent, yeah. right? Your whole job every day is to go and make as many friends as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. That is that is the goal. No one's yeah. ever going to buy something because you tell them to buy it. I yeah. think that's, and you touched on it earlier. I think that's like your superpower. It's like you're a storyteller and like you don't ever sell a home. You tell a story on like why they need to live there. And it's like, yeah. you're just so good at painting that. I think that's why you're like successful. Facts tell, story sell. Boom. But then you have moments like Barbie, right? The movie. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so it's a movie that comes out could have been could have been terrible because like you don't know it's like about toys, you know, and it just crossed a billion dollars the box office, Mm -hmm. which is insane, right? It's the most successful movie ever for a female director for Mm -hmm. Greta. Uh, What are your thoughts on their marketing campaign? Clearly, it works. So we're like we're we're able to sit here from like the winners box watching. I predicted. It's funny because like last year I made like a. PR predictions video of like what I think Barbie was going to do for like their marketing strategy. And I got a lot of them right, which I was really proud of. But then there was also like 47,000 others. So I was like, maybe it's not, I don't get that much credit because like they literally tapped into everything. Um, And I feel like it's definitely a pro an approach. It's a strategy and it might not work every time, but for this it did. And I feel like if you have the budget, they could have either gone like super, super like innovative, creative, weird, the complete opposite of what people were expecting or like the opposite and just like did exactly what people were expecting, but executing it in a way that is just like undeniable that like this is brilliant and like I need to go and see it. And I think that's what they did. And I think it was everywhere and I ended up seeing it. I feel like everybody went saw it when I was at the movie theater and the movie theater was bumping. It was so nostalgic for me because I was like, oh my God, I have not been in a movie theater in like four years. And like this feeling alone is like crazy. Um, but what even yeah. was their strategy? I just, it just it was, was everywhere. Like it was just li- everywhere, everywhere yeah. all at once collab with mm-hmm. everybody. But it was also just very like Barbie. Like when people think of Barbie, it wasn't like trying to sell this like new age of like what Barbie really is, which is what the movie was about, which was fabulous and amazing. And I'm obsessed with it. And I love Greta, but like for their marketing approach, they did very stereotypical, like Mattel, Barbie, pink, like dream house, like everything, which tapped into the side of like, everybody's inner child, which I think got their attention and then got them to see the movie and then shifted their perspective of what Barbie actually is, which I think was really smart. They, they made it a whole experience, yeah. dude. For that whole weekend, everybody was dressing up. Like mm-hmm. my girlfriend's like, no, we're going to wear this. I don't own anything pink, but like I was, I was debating. I was close, yeah. but like they made it such a moment. But how did it work for that movie, but it doesn't work for... Mm-hmm. Other movies. It was the lead Nostalgia, no? You, yeah. You kept on seeing the word nostalgia in and itself. inner child, yeah. Inner child. And I think that might have been it. But like Transformers, there's like a new Transformers all the time. Like those are little toys that boys played with. But and it, like that thing like doesn't do well. Anymore. I also think people wanted a sense of community again. And like the sense of like going back to the movies. I feel like post-COVID, like going to the movies wasn't necessarily like that popular anymore. And I feel like on social media, seeing people dressing up and having these like experiences of going to the movies with their kids, something you did growing up, plus the Mattel, plus the nostalgia, like it was all like a perfect storm. So hit me with some some ideas. We have a real estate brokerage here. We're here. We're located in New York City, right? What mm-hmm. are what are some experiential things that we can do for general kind of PR brand awareness? Yeah. I think something that would be cool that you could do is Ooh, I'm taking notes. Yeah. Um, I think you could even tap into like a collab with like a we're not really strangers and do like a what? A, a so there's this card game. It's my, great. My friend Kareen um, and Chris, uh, Chris Drama Prath, like he was on Robin The Fancy Day. Factory guy. Um, but they started We're Not Really uh-huh. Strangers. It's like a conversational card game that's like super moving. Their marketing and social media is the best, is my favorite that ever. Um, but essentially it's a game that you can play with friends, with an ex, with a stranger, like, and it's just like how to have a conversation in a guided format, but you guys could do almost like an ex 
like an exes or like an ending yard sale where like people come together who are like selling their houses because they broke up or like they have to move on or people are moving out for college and um, have a yard sale where they sell things and you interview the people with the we're not really strangers cards about like why they have to move and like what that property meant to them um, to tap into that storytelling and nostalgia that like sometimes you have to move not because it's your choice. Sure. But like life forces you to do it. But that also forces like a new beginning. And that's what like getting a new apartment can do for you. So emotional yes. stories with strangers. Yes. We could do I'm like just going to put Christmas you in ad. Washington Square Park. Yes. And just like, just start making people cry. Yeah. Like, why did she leave you? Is that why you had to move? Because your wife like, left you and took your kids? That Andy could do that. Yeah, but also like you could you could turn it into like an activation by having it like look like a yard sale. And like to have like a yard sale oh, in New so York cool. City I mean, yard sale. is like not a, like something you see every day. No, it's um, not. So, and that's also nostalgic. So you should do that. You should do like billionaires row yard sales. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right? yes. Like rolling out like a million dollar piano yes. just to see like, just put up signs like yard sales on 57th street. That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Actually. And make it look all like. Can someone write that down? Suburban. Mikey, can you text that to me, please? That's I think we should film that. Interesting. Yeah. So I have uh-huh. a, a very hard pivot question. I just okay. thought about it before. So Donald Trump. Oh my God. Here we go. go. (laughs) Donald Trump just obviously lost the presidency and he's running again. And Joe Biden, just a couple of days ago, we saw had like terrible approval ratings. If you were on Donald Trump's PR team, how would you brand Donald Trump to possibly win the next election? Be a better person. (laughs) I can't answer that. Um, But I'll say if I was running for president. Yeah. Okay. How how would you appeal to the, the new generation of voters? I think that, like we were saying, tapping into your weaknesses by showing vulnerability, but then also showing your strengths through a storytelling journey format, I think would be the best. And I would also say that um, the White House would need to be updated, renovated, um, and sold by you. (laughs) Wow. To me. If I ever run for president, that's going to be <laughs> yeah. what I stand on. And the yard sale can be at the White House. Yeah, and the yard sale can be at the White House. Yeah, I like that. Is it like the eight mile approach? It's kind of just like, here's all my baggage. I got nothing to hide. Yeah, well, Let's- also, like you were saying, like we see through the bullshit. Like, I feel like when people are lying to be somebody that they're not, like it's so much less, like it's. He is unapologetic f- about. Yeah, but you also don't have to like put all of your shit out there. But I feel like. Knowing that like your audience knows who you really are and can see through the bullshit and being like, I see you, you see me, like, let's be honest with each other in a way that we can benefit both. I did see and I, I thought it was interesting. There's like some news clip where they asked, I think they asked Biden, they asked DeSantis, maybe somebody else about like, okay, so what would you do with the Russia-Ukraine situation? And it was like politician answer, politician answer, politician answer. And then they asked Trump and he said, I will just do everything possible to get people to stop dying. Like, that was his answer. And it like, like talk about somebody who can speak authentically, whether you agree with the guy or not. It was really interesting to watch. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pro Ukraine. I'm not pro Russia. I'm pro people living right mm. and not dying. And I think you'll start to see him go really, really hard that way. Honesty being upfront and like, no, it's literally that it's like the brands. We noticed the bullshit. We mm. notice the bullshit in politics. We notice the bullshit in everything. I also think that like something, I have a note, the notes app is like my most used app in my phone. And whenever I see an ad, a collab or a brand that actually makes me stop scrolling and read or look at the screen, I like write down what the brand was and why I stopped scrolling and how it made me feel. 
Um, oh, and I think sweet. like should we open that. that up and go through it right now? What's on it? <laughs> Hold on, let's let's rerun that. What <laughs> it was like right. her hand. No, no, I'm she has a notes app where That's she puts great. down all her feelings. And I utilize that with brands a lot in consulting. Um, That's how my first book came around. Do you really? have a positive side of this yeah. note app or is it all just the stuff you don't like? No, it's mostly positive, but like- It's like when you have an emotional connection to it, you write it down so you yeah. don't forget. Yes, Could you exactly. read us one of the positive ones? Yeah, I mean- Or you know, you know it off the top of your head. I would say <laughs> off the top of my head, I lost, like I lost my mom when I was 20 years old. There was a, I believe it was like an iPad commercial um, uh, highlighting grief during the holidays, yeah. which is something that people normally tend to shy away from. And it wasn't a corny Mother's Day ad where it was like tapping into grief in that way. Like it's all these people are putting out these happy holiday ads to try to push product. And they tapped into like having memories on an iPad so that even though the iPad was a gift, like in the past, what it holds and represents is so much more than just an iPad and so much more than just a gift because some of those memories are the last ways you're going to remember your person that's not there on the holidays. Um, so I feel like tapping into something like grief during the holiday season when everybody's doing the opposite um, made me feel multiple different emotions, but it definitely made me stop scrolling. Did you buy an iPad? Yeah, I have two. Okay, good. With the pens two. and the accessories. You know, I went all out. It's like it's like that saying. It's like people don't remember what you tell them; it, they remember how you make them feel. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think back to some of my favorite ads, and like I remember a Verizon commercial that was like not. They didn't mention a cell phone once. Mm -hmm. It was about a firefighter who, uh, no, it was it was an NFL coach who was in a in a terrible car accident. And what they did it's is a they Verizon. Commercial. It was a Verizon commercial, and they basically invited this football coach to speak to these like firefighters. And after this little speech it turns out that that was the crew that saved him. And he learned that and he's just tearing. And it was like such a good moment. And the whole idea was like, you know, it was the network that like connect. I don't remember what it was. We need to make an emotional commercial. But it was like, it was, it was like, one. it was that would be good. Or a holiday one. It yeah, was an ad that wasn't a pro. Yeah. Mike, can you text Jack Rule to get on like making a sad commercial yeah. about real estate? But I, and like sometimes emotion, like it's having a nostalgia. commercial become emotional doesn't necessarily need to be sad. It just needs to like tap into those. No, but like, I'm into this now. I want like yeah. something super depressing. Yeah. Like <laughs> maybe, super. Maybe I'm just like depressed. So I like like depressing ads, but I also think it is your no, more. No, those are the ones you remember. Yeah, exactly. And mm. the, like, I remember like that chicken noodle soup Campbell's ad um, where they would like spell out, like the grandma would spell out his initials in like the yeah, like yeah, yeah. letter soup. And then for the Super Bowl two years ago, they brought back the exact same actors and remade the commercial. And it's just like things like that. It's just nostalgic. It makes you stop in your tracks. And I always like to ask people like, what's one commercial from your childhood that like you'll, that's always like in the back of your head. And a lot of the time it's like yeah. super emotional. Most people think about like, you know, Nike commercials yes. and they don't ever really talk about the shoes. It's not about pitching product. It's about pitching. Or like Gatorade. Yeah, athleticism, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? And it's about yeah. pitching like great moments. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it's Nike at the end. You're like, oh man, if I own Nikes, I could also have a great moment. Yes. Dude, you Jack know? Harlow said something the other, or not the other day. It was like an interview. He was saying that we spend most of our adulthood chasing our childhood. And I was like, that's so interesting. Like we look for those like nostalgia moments. So, like, kind of piggybacking off of that it doesn't have to be sad but if you could tap uh, if you could tap into that like feeling when you were younger i think we chase that shit yeah and I, think 100%. It's super I think we chase yesterday all the time because the the tomorrow is a completely scary fear of the unknown mm -hmm. you know I, I was talking even this morning you know because we have like some stressful situation going on in the company this morning and the people i was talking to i was like just remember like when we started 
Yeah. And we were on a dining table and it was just, man, could we go back to that moment? There was no expectations. It was easy. But if I go, if I went back in time to that moment, we were so stressed out because yeah. we were around a fucking dining table and COVID was killing everyone. And like deals were going through. We we're like, oh, remember a year ago when the market was great and people existed and like there was no cops on the street. So I think we, it's like, we always think back to how simple times were in the past when like, even right now, like I'm going to remember in two years from now, like, oh man, remember when we were with her before, you know, she was at 600 million followers and we were doing like our podcast and our yeah. lobby and there was honking. Yeah. That was such a simple time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause also you romanticize the past because it's something that like you have control over, like how you remember it. I totally romanticize. I lie to myself to keep myself happy Same. all the time. Now we're getting deep. Um, but yes, I do as well. But I feel like being able to tap into that is smart. And I feel like, especially right now, like post COVID, like everybody's like online uh, on social media, on TikTok being like, well, like I work at this corporate job, but I hate it. Like I want to be doing this and like kind of like really diving into like their passions more and creatives yeah. and seeing creatives thrive. It's like being able to like give that person who's watching a chance to be like, let's tap back into that inner child. And like, what do you actually want to do and be in your life? And like, that's possible because of things like social media, because of buying a house, like you what can you, really tap into that. There's two things I want to make sure I ask you about. One is about burnout. The other is about oh re gosh. reinvention. But so, you know, um, Instagram has been around now for 10 mm -hmm. years, plus yeah. minus for most people, right? Yeah. Uh, TikTok's only the last couple of years. Everything moves incredibly quickly now. Mm. Um, uh, how do you think though about like creator burnout? Yeah. Right? Because you, you see it's it's hard. Yeah. Like creators pop up and then you realize like, oh, oh. I haven't seen them in like six yeah. months. What are they doing? Yeah. So it's, it's hard for brands to understand which creators to work with, how long their, what their longevity is going to be like. We see, we hear about creator burnouts all the time because it's tough like yeah. every so day tough. being out there. It's difficult to speak on this subject. And I feel like this is why a lot of people don't, and they do burn out so quickly because it's such a privilege to be able to do what I do and to be able to be creative for a living. So for me to complain about like a situation that I've always wanted in my head, mentally, it feels wrong, even though I know I have a right to my own feelings and to speak about those types of sure. things. But if I was to speak about those types of things on the internet, it would come with backlash because people would be like, you signed up for this. This is what you wanted. You get paid X amount. So I feel like when it comes to burnout and speaking about it and recognizing it, it's definitely difficult. Um, but I also think that for me, like you were saying at the beginning of this podcast, I always feel like everything could go away in a second. So like I, um, I was raised by a single mom. My dad was in my life as well, as well. But like, I, I feel like sometimes I have like a little bit of like that hustle in me where I'm like, I'm just afraid everything is going to go away. And like, yeah. I want to work my ass off so that like, I can not only have longevity in this space, but like I can have financial stability and that I can still do what I want to do. And when your career is based off of validation and numbers, that can create burnout because you can feel like this is all going to go away if I don't stop posting, which is why very early on in my career, I started to open up things on the back end and do consulting on the backside of things. So it's like if all of this goes away, like I'll still be able to be in this space comfortably. Um, but I feel like not a lot of people have that privilege or that option. So it's, it's, stressful. it's, it's so stressful. And I feel like when your business is your likability, actual likability, like numbers that people are liking you, followers. It's like, how do you That's what it is. wake up every single day and feel okay? I'd be like today. Yeah. yeah. It sucks. It's it's difficult. And it, I feel like it's 
not the best way to live. So I try to um, always focus <laughs> on the things in my life that like aren't controlled by numbers or validation as well. Well, you just said something that I relate to as well. And I feel like you you are working on it now. You're about to release some really cool stuff. It's with social media. You have to materialize it into something else, mm -hmm. I think, now. So that it's not just all based off the likes and the views and everything. Yeah. You also have that other career on the other side mm -hmm. that can also make... it. Can, it's kind of like a cushion. Mm -hmm. Because we do see a lot of creators who... I mean, you've, had, you've done it very differently where you've gone from traditional media to social media. And most it's of... Hard. It's hard. That's hard. And yeah. nowadays, I feel like it's the opposite way where people are going from social media to traditional media. But mm -hmm. then people don't want to see their TikTok people on exactly. TV. So no one watches that shit. It's so, really hard. Like all those streaming shows, they bomb. Yeah. People How do like, you I don't want to go on Netflix. I already, it's like I saw you on my phone nine times today. I don't need to go watch this now. And then the opposite of that, when traditional people sometimes try to go into social media, you can tell it's their teams forcing them to yeah, do it. And it's, and it's just so like forced. So bad. So, yeah. You said you wanted to touch on two things. The second one was... Was, was then brand reinvention. Yes. So I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people are going to come to you yep. and say, hey, everything's fine. You know, like even for me, like, okay, so everything's fine. Like if I had come to you in 2019, I would have said, my life is great. Everything's fine, but I think there's more. What do we do? How do I, re how do I reinvent? So how mm -hmm. do you think about brand reinvention? Like like Bobby, what's her, the podcaster? Bobby, Bobby? Altoff. Yeah. She so just followed me. Did she? Wow. <laughs> so yes. how do you think about, so like reinventing podcasts yes. and how you consume podcasts and the way that you you yeah. converse yeah. and somebody. Well, I think there's like a new era that I actually like pitched to show because of this. I feel like there's a new era with like the um, Amelia Dims of Chicken Shop Date, the Bobby Altoffs, where it's like a forced, awkward conversation with a celebrity, with two people who so don't make sense that it makes sense. Yeah. And people would rather watch that than like a scripted interview of the person asking all of the right questions yeah. and like traditional press and media. And she's definitely- Which is why it's interesting to watch. Yeah, exactly. It's like when two things that don't match, match. I, I always love that. And I think they have a very specific tone about That's how they do yeah, it. Watch what happens live with Andy Cohen. That's what that show is. Exactly, you exactly. Take like a Bravo celebrity and like an NFL star and put them on the show at the same exact time. Yeah, like, hello. <laughs> exactly. Um, but when it comes to reinvention, I think that- the first step is like you were saying, a lot of brands will come to me um, and be like, we love your mind. Like you're so creative. Like, what do we do? And I'm like, okay, um, this is a broad question, but we can definitely get a ton. Um, but a lot of the times they will want, hire me to be creative, but then not allow me to be creative. And I totally see the other side of things too. Cause I was like, they have a X amount of people on their marketing team who have yeah. been doing this for X amount of years and started with the company. So why would their ideas be less valuable than mine? So when it comes to reinvention and me working with a brand, I think it has to come to a point where it's like, I can see the core values of this company and like what they want to come out of reinvention, but also why they started in the first place and like understanding those core values and respecting the people who helped start it, but then bring this new innovative side um, that my ideas can bring to them. But I feel like reinvention is very, very difficult. Um, but when it's done right, it's like my favorite. Have you seen any brands or like, what are your favorite brands that are like doing it right? Like recently, like get the card just, company you just mentioned. Yeah. Or I guess just like legacy brands. Like I'm seeing like Prince, like the tennis racket company, like pop up every now and then I'm just like, <laughs> what brands are doing social, right? Well, I like, Remember when like Threads was having a moment? 
for yeah. four days. Yeah, for four days. Um, I like. I always like when a new social media app like pops off because then I want to see like the brand's approach to it before there is an approach to it. Um, is there an approach to Threads right now? What are your thoughts on Threads? Are you I on threads? loved it the first four days, and now I'm not on it anymore. I'm back to Twitter. Well, yeah, <laughs> X. I call it Twitter. X. Yeah. I call it Twitter. X. 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 Twitter. I, think I call it Twitter X. But I think it's X. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I get it. It's Twitter forever in my head. But Sorry. I like I like when a brand has to navigate a new social media when that, when there's not a formula yet. Um, and I thought Dunkin' Donuts did a really good yes. job at that. And With I feel like D'Amelio and the whole thing. Oh no, that, that was, was before. Old. Yeah, that was but like oh. Dunkin'. Oh. But that's also like I'm saying, like they are not afraid to like take risks and like reinvent themselves, but then also have like the classic. Like I grew up in Massachusetts. Like Dunkin's is. Are you going to Dunkin's? Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 part of our culture. It's everything. It's a low risk, right? Because it's coffee and donuts. Yeah, but so, they are willing to work with a Charlie D'Amelio back, like yeah, when yeah. she was first blowing up, and they're willing to get on an app like Threads and like flirt with like Starbucks. Like it's just like yeah. brands that are w- willing to reinvent yet like still hold on to their core values, so like they can do both. I think is really cool and fun. Do you spend time coming up with personalities for brands? Like if I, you know, we were different because my last name is Sirhan. I named the company after mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And so when people think of the company, I think they probably think of me and then they think about anything else. Uh-huh. Um, but if you're like a Duncan, you don't think about like Bob Duncan, right? Yeah. You think about the logo and you think about yeah. coffee and but you, donuts. But how do you give it a personality? Yeah. Like is Dunkin' Donuts a young brand? Is it an old brand? Is it a is it like the male progressive brand, a female brand? Approach? Is there a gender to it? I definitely think, I mean, this is going to sound a little repetitive, but it all goes back to storytelling. I feel like for a brand like Duncan, I grew up in Massachusetts and it's not like a boy brand, a girl brand, an old brand, a new brand. Like it's a brand that like was the first thing you and your family did every single morning, regardless of the day, regardless of how you felt about your family. Like also like Casey Affleck are in line with you. Exactly. When I got in a fight with my sister, we would be screaming at each other over the hair straightener. But then she'd be like, do you want to go to Duncan's? And I'd be like, okay. So like in a sense, it's like it's part of like America's morning routine. And I feel like that is the story. It's not necessarily like who it's for, but it's like the story it's trying to tell. Dude, That's what I mean. We need to be America's. America's housing routine. We gotta figure. We gotta figure that out. Let's just figure out how to like rebrand the word house to like Sirhan. It's like I gotta buy oh, a Sirhan. Sir house. <laughs> Sir house. No. Interesting. Maybe. That's like Band Aid, right? X.com. or like Jello. Yeah. Isn't Jello like that too? Kleenex. Kleenex. Yeah. 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 yeah we should. Re- we should just rename houses. Yeah. Reinvent uh, the name of a house. Right. Yeah. Jesus. I'm gonna think about this all day now. We should sit in silence. You should think about this <laughs> yeah. all day, and you should text me and let me know what the yes, answer is. I will. As I we will. think about the new name for a condo, all the neighborhoods in New York were re- were invented for the most part a lot by by people in the real estate business because mm-hmm. you had to describe, hey, go buy that house in in Tribeca. Yeah. But I also feel like when people talk about like housing and like the housing market in New York, it's always like, oh my god, it's crazy. Like it's so expensive. Like it's impossible, it which it is. But also you could tap into like, even with all of those things, people are so proud to call New York home and like tapping into that story. You what do you think I mean? about the new logo? Sorry. Damn. The new, logo? <laughs> the new I love New York logo. Have you have you seen it? Oh, it's bad. It's so oh, it's bad. bad. Who made it? It's yeah. so bad. Can I you pull actually it up? don't know who made it. Logo. No, I've not you seen it. You know those shirts that were like, I love New York, that were like- Yeah, after 9-11. Popular. It's so- Minkoff, right? We, yeah. we talked to her Well, that's the that. original one. That's, that's the one yeah, we yeah, all yeah, know yeah, and love. There's a new one. Oh, now it's We Love New York. And it's like bubbly. 
The bubbly. part I don't like was the bubbly. Yeah, I don't yeah. like the bubbly. Yeah. Like graffiti kind it's of? It's like that's their whole brand. It's like Microsoft Word Art. Oh, it's that looks like so someone just, bad. Yeah, that's weird. It's an emoji. They're like, yeah, let's like <laughs> let's do like some young emoji thing. And they're like, oh, perfect. It's The weak part good. isn't bad. That no, could no, actually be like nostalgic and like emotional, but like the bubbly, it looks like Word Art on Microsoft Word. Yeah. Remember like how you'd pick <laughs> yeah, up Word Art? Yeah, it does look cheap. It does look cheap. Anyway, we'll probably all go to love it in a year from now. We'll be like, yeah. oh my God, I love that logo. Because yeah. that's how it works. It's like we love Ryan. Yeah, we should do that. I did that for an ad one time. You did? Yeah. For you? I we love, love Andy? Pret Manger. Okay. It was like, I. it was Andy loves Pret. It was something like that. And it worked pretty well because yeah. it was nostalgic to the New Yorker and Pret is like a, a European-based company. So they kind of liked it. So it worked well. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Robin, what's next with you? So currently, I feel like I have three different pillars of my business. Um, one of them is continuing to build out my consulting firm and gaining clients on the back end and really gaining as much knowledge as I can and trying to learn how to expand and what that looks like. I have some really fun and exciting things coming up with that soon. Not to say like I have a secret project coming. I hate when people say that, but like, yeah, kind of. (laughs) Um, uh, And then my on-camera work, I want to continue to have these types of conversations. I love doing panels. I love speaking and getting my story out there because I feel like the more that I tell my story, the more it's going to inspire people to know that they can be a part of this space, just like how I thought I couldn't. I sent like a million LinkedIn resumes and then I created a digital resume and it changed everything. So continuing to get that story out there. And then also I have a pillar of my brand and business where I really focus on grief work. I just came back from a week-long um, grief camp in Georgia called Experience Camps. There's, I think, five or six of them in the country, and it's a free one-week camp for kids who have lost a parent, sibling, or loved one, and a lot of the counselors have as well. So I really want to tap into that community more and continue to help. Um, and I have some awesome. ideas with that as well. So, yeah. Huge. Yes. Well, Robin, you are crushing it. We love watching you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming to New York and doing this with us and chatting with us. We'll continue to watch you grow. And any brand out there who needs anything actually at all should reach out to you. Yes, Girl, please. boss town. Her boss rates are going up quick. So you got to like just went get, up. get in there now. They with the just went up well, right <laughs> with the Corona. We're going to get you some vintage. Yes. Cor- cool. It'd be like, no, but like stale beer. I'm going to people drink vintage. Merch. You could do that. Do people drink vintage beer? Is that a thing? You it's know, not like wine, though. I've done it at like a basement party when I was like young. But it's just like beer that hasn't been old. It'll be like flat. vintage beer is just beer that hasn't been opened. It's like, yeah. Yeah, like they just flat. forgot to open it versus wine where you're like, your guy it's wanted it. He's like, oh, we should get it based on his birthday, his birth year. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. smart. They do, they do the Coca Cola. Uh, and you met Howard, right? Howard showed up. Yeah, such a cool guy. Yeah, so super cool. cool. Oh, oh, Howard. And it all circles back to Howard. And Howard's my dog's name, by the way. Oh, my goodness, Howard. That's a good way to Totally random thought, but that just brings it up to me. And then we'll end it. I didn't know until I got into this business and started meeting incredibly wealthy people how many single points of contact there are for like all businesses. So like that guy, right? Any betting company you go to, whether it's Ralph Lauren or Louis Vuitton or anything, any fabrics for bed sheets, comforters, pillowcases is all made by one guy and then he sells it and then it's licensed to different companies. But it's all from one factory, from one guy. Same thing, like one of our good clients. And I was like, so what do you guys do? What do you have? You own an office building in the city. You have a whole floor in Midtown that's like your personal cold plunge floor. Like, did you guys invent air? Like, what do you, you have so much, you're multi-billionaires. And you're like, we make all the underwear and all the socks. And I was like, what? 
What do you mean? All the like we He's like all of them. We make all of them. <laughs> the one you're wearing. For, now. And then they have the list of all the brands. I'm like, holy shit. So what I'm paying for is a premium to own that brand's underwear that Steve makes <laughs> like over here. So there's so many single points of contact. And then it's the power of branding mm-hmm. that they sell. It's wild. It's crazy. And I'm wearing those socks right now. Yeah, so we all are, by the way. <laughs> there's one guy who makes yeah. all the socks and all the underwear, one it's, guy who does all well, the bedding. He's single. I'm here. There you go. There you yes. go. You might have Little to bit. You She's you with have a boyfriend. Move. Yeah. You have to move. I mean, yeah. That's another episode of Business <laughs> of Influence. Thank you everybody for watching. Like, subscribe, go follow Robin if you don't already. Girl Boss Town and any brands. She just got even more expensive in the last two seconds. We'll see you later. Bye. 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 Bye.